<laughs> hey, welcome to the Review Review, a show where everyone uh, loves Buster Scruggs. <laughs> what a lazy intro, I love it. <laughs> we just came off like a three plus hour show of doing our best of yep. 2018. As we talk, Dave is literally pissing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we are, uh, we touched on a bit of Buster Scruggs in our best of 2018 episode. list, number nine. Um, but we saved Tad yeah. just for this Monday's ep. Yep. We threw it in because, uh, we did a poll where, uh, we just, we asked you what Netflix film you wanted us to review and you picked Buster Scruggs and then we didn't do it. Yep. So then it's like, well... We gotta deliver. We can't shortchange our audience. We can't leave the people out. We gotta bring them in. Now Dave is doing a selfie with us. <laughs> Here it is. Oh, we're getting there. Uh, All right. And there it is. Now we're in. Perfect. And he's out. Dave is out. Now <laughs> I'm gonna try and spoil all of Buster Scruggs before Dave leaves. So then this guy dies. No, he's in. Uh, if you don't know, Buster Scruggs is a Coen Brothers prod. Yes. Uh, n- is it written and directed? I think By, so. I think it it is. was built up as like uh, when it first was announced. They, I think they were gonna put it out as like a and then like a mini series. Yeah. And then it was just like, now nah, we're just gonna do an anthology movie yeah and then they were also trying to put it out through a actual production studio yeah and i'm glad they didn't because i feel like if this came out through like a big distributor like sony or paramount or something like that yeah i don't think it would have really gone over well it's definitely for i think like the streaming audience yeah because going into it like right off the bat i'm like well, you know, not not right off the bat, but when it jumped into, because it's an anthology, like its second little mm-hmm. chunk, I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely made for this kind of audience. Yeah. Smartest decision they ever made for putting this out. I, I, would, I, would, I would say that, yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> we, uh, we watched like the first part of this at uh, your guys' place this past weekend. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> watching it with C. Danger, she was like... Buster Scruggs died already? It's an anthology. You're fine. He's not even part of... It's it's, going to be another story. Don't worry. Right, right. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Chelsea Danger is such a peach, isn't she? (laughs) She has, like, the uncanny ability to just say something right before it happens. (laughs) Or as they're explaining what's going on. It's like, how do you have this superpower? The power you hold in your hands is... (laughs) Is too much for any mortal being to hold. Uh, but yeah, uh. it is an anthology series, so like it is five separate parts. They don't really intertwine. No. I don't know what they were, the Coen brothers thought as they were making this, if it was just like, I need to get these ideas out. I feel like they share a common theme. I'll get more into it when we start talking about it, but mm. I feel they, they do share a common theme, and they each story represents a different part of that theme that I thought was they makes the stories fit together really well. Okay. Um I at this point I really like the western uh the the authentic like western uh, setting they that they do put westerns. In. So I want the Coen brothers to do more westerns. Like did you see their uh True Grit? Yeah. Really good. Loved it. Yeah. I It blew me away, actually, at how much I liked it, because like, I always heard about the John Wayne one, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't really see all of it. I've seen a, a chunk of it at my grandparents' house, Yeah, because it was on intermittently anytime I'd ever go there. Yeah. My grandpa was like a John Wayne fan, or would you see, he'd always just have these old westerns on, and I'd be like, ah, this sucks. I never want to ever see this. Whatever. Yeah. But then I did see the whole True Grit, and I mm-hmm. guess it was more faithful to the actual story that was created before, like the book or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Really loved it. And up until now, I actually forgot that it was a Coen Brothers yeah. thing. <laughs> but like I, uh, right now, in my life, I'm like, 
into like western stuff and just kind of want to dive more into that yeah like and it's a mixture of like i saw like uh the remake of th- like 310 to yuma which i really liked yeah the true grit which i really liked yeah i ended up really like red dead redemption yeah um i can't wait to play the second one whenever uh <sighs> the moments one. before i die i'll play it. <laughs> it's so good um but even I, like uh i I stumbled upon, like, a fact where I was like, holy shit, where, like, the reason why westerns were so big, like, in the 50s and 60s was, like, when uh, they were first developing, like, the uh, film ratings, Mm -hmm. uh, they would only allow violence in films that were historically accurate, so that's why westerns were so big, because... Violence was so re- relevant in the in the Wild West uh-huh. that they could get away with putting violence in them and like still get a rating where they could still pass for being played in theaters. Wow, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, fun fact, JT. Yeah. Well, thank you. Coming in with the facts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can you tell we've had like eight beers? <laughs> uh, but anyway, actually going into this movie, I thought the anthology aspect of this was really fun. Yeah. Um, just to watch a little chunk of something, it's like, I have this idea. I don't need a two-hour movie to get mm-hmm. get through it. It's like, I have these little chunks of stories, and that's it. And that's what I want to put out. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad they put it out on a streaming service rather than put yeah. out like a full length motion picture. I, I think we've even had this discussion in the past where like I feel like the Cohen brothers, when it comes to like a really lengthy like story, they kind of get lost in other aspects of it. Yeah. Like even w- when you said with Hail Caesar, where yeah. it felt like it was just like there was a main story, but then they would get kind of lost in other tangents of it where it didn't right. feel like a full-fledged story. But with this, it's an anthology, so then it's like, I have this story, I have this story, I have this story, I have this story, I have this story. Right. And then they don't have to really branch off to other things where like their attention goes off elsewhere. They can stick to that one story and play it out through play it throughout. Yeah, and uh, to put it out there too, I'm not like a huge Coen Brothers fan. I do like some of their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really hot and cold with them. Like, I really like, like, The Big Lebowski, yeah. which Credits Do just did. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to, like, hug and kiss every single one of them after that, because I fucking love The Big Lebowski. Yeah. So, check out Credits Do podcast and check out the review on The Big Lebowski. I like Old Country for No Men. Uh, no, no Country, country for, for Old Men. men. Yeah. I keep fucking up that fucking title. Um... Which I'm, I think I'm one of the rare people that loves the ending to that. <laughs> See, I haven't seen it in a while. I just know that I like the movie. Yeah. Um, f- there's another one that I really like, and I would, and the name just escaped. Fargo. Me. Fargo. Thank God you Fargo's said it because <laughs> I would have fucking shit my pants again. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. But like, I, yeah, I really like that. But like some other ones, like Hail Caesar, I saw and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um. They did some other ones like a serious man. I'm like, I tried I know, to watch that. I, I know. That I tried sucked. getting it. Yeah. I I just didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um. And there's some other ones too where I'm just like, yeah, I can take it or leave that mm-hmm. one. So like, there, I either like it or don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um. And this I fell into the positive of. Um. But I would say that as it progressed. And I don't know if this is your opinion or not. Yeah. I felt like some of the short stories, maybe they should have interchanged them in this whole anthology a little bit differently. I felt like it started really strong with a really fun story. Yeah. And then it kind of, in my eyes, every story there from there gets a little more dour Mm-hmm. Or a li- not as interesting. Yeah, they they start out hot with the Buster Scruggs. The Buster Scruggs one is the most animated, and out I of all of it them. really got me into it. I and I yeah. really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the, the fact that I I started when we you were over the other night, right? Yeah, and then I was dozing off as yeah. like the night progressed. <laughs> so I went back and finished that one 
the one I dozed off on and finished it out. Yeah. But I also rewatched the first one again. Yeah. Because I liked it so much. Oh yeah. So like I I thought that was really strong. And then was the second one the one with Liam Neeson in it? No, it was uh uh James Franco. Oh James like, Franco. Near Alagonia. I want let me look up the titles. Um that one's fun. Like it it's well, it's not as fun, but it's got like a more of like a fun ambiance to it mm-hmm. because lo and behold, like none of these have like a great happy ending to them. Not really. Which was actually kind of like surprising going into these because like, I thought with like a fun, even like with a fun title of like the ballad of Buster Scruggs, you think it'd be like fun, like little one-off, even if you know what's say anthologies, like fun little, uh, jaunty stories. Yeah. Buster Scruggs is, even though it's got like a bit of a, I wouldn't even say it's like a sour or dour ending. It's just like, not what you expect. Mm -hmm. And then as they go on, they have like more darker endings. Yeah. I I don't know that, that Liam Neeson one, I think is the darkest out of them all. I, I, yeah. Yes, I do think though, but like dark in the fact that I believe it's like black comedy. I I never took it as like a drama the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll lead into it. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let's go through like all of them individually. Like sure. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I thoroughly enjoyed because it was like I feel like every story in in the movie itself has a theme that involves death or how you live your life and how it leads to your death in some way yes and i I feel like the ballad of buster scruggs is definitely about a man who feels like he's untouchable and even when he's presented with the idea of death he never accepts it until it actually happens to him yeah we're even down to where he goes into a poker game and he gets dead man's hand of aces and eights right and he's like nope not playing it and it's like, yep. well, you gotta play it it's your hand you, if you see it you gotta play it yeah where it's literally like the conversation of i don't want to die well fuck you you're gonna die <laughs> and i i love that about it where it's like he's such like a happy-go-lucky guy and like everything about him is like it doesn't point to any any means whatsoever that he's on the verge of his own death and it just takes that one thing, that one guy, where it's like, I'm better than you, to kill him, where it's like, well, I'm dead. But it tricks you the whole way through this short, too, because he keeps coming into conflicts where it's like, oh, man, Buster's screwed. Yeah. And he's just like, he not bumbles his way through it, but he's so confident in his abilities that he's like, no, I'm going to get through this. Like, when he meets the first, like, little watering hole. Yeah. And he's like... I'm just going to parch my thirst with a thing of whiskey. Yeah. And he goes to this little watering hole and he comes in. He's like, I'll have a pint of whiskey or not yeah. a pint of whiskey, but a shot of whiskey to wet yeah. my pipe so I can sing with my horse and go on with the yeah. stories God, or whatever. This song's in this. I literally have listened to this, the songs from this movie, from this short alone on yeah. Spotify so many times. <laughs> and the, the bartender's like, can't do that. It's a dry county. It's like, well, what's all these folks drinking? Whiskey. They're outlaws. He's like, and he takes so much pride in being an outlaw. Like, I think that's because, like, at the end, he goes to heaven. Yeah. And you're like, well, he's an outlaw. Why? But then, like, you think back to it, like, there's never really any instance that shows that he's a bad person. No. He just kind of just stands up for himself. Yeah, like, at any time that he's presented with danger, like, he's going to die, he defends himself. But he's never, he never is an asshole and is, like, kills people because right. they because he feels like it. It's just like, I'm defending myself. Even the way he talks is just, like, I love, okay, what actually, like, I groaned as it went on is that kind of everyone talks the same as they're all, like, really kind of chatty and well-spoken. Like, yeah. I liked it for Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Because he kind of breaks the fourth wall. Well, yeah. When I say kind of, he does break the He's fourth wall. He's legit talking to you. And, like, <laughs> he is, like, so well-spoken. And he's like, well, I see you deplorable kind of ingrates are 
keeping with terrible company and I would not like to share a drink with you or blah, 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 blah. And he goes on and say like, pretty much just say everyone in this little bar is like a piece of shit. Yeah. And I'm better than you. Yeah. But like, he says it so nicely that it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, I can't find fault Yeah. You. Like if he would have said it to me, I'd have been like, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he's like, I think you are scruffy looking and keep terrible company or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy's like, well, fuck you. And then he like shoots up everybody in the room. Yeah. And then, like, shoots the bartender, and he's like, well, Dan, I think we should be hitting the old dusty trail. This <laughs> fucking awesome horse named Dan. <laughs> but then he ends up going into, like, this other town, something Gulch, and then he comes up to a poker game where he gets the ace and an eight's hand. Yeah. And then another guy, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Surly Joe. Surly Joe, played <laughs> by something Clancy. Clancy Brown. Yeah. Well, his um, name is Curly Joe, but then he calls him Surly Joe he, at the end. He, he, Surly Joe the he, Gambler. <laughs> he's getting a ton of guff by Surly Joe. And Surly Joe pulls a gun on him, which he shouldn't have. And the whole time he's like, well, I think you should have actually put your gun in the yeah, receptacle. Because they, of the yeah, rules of this they check, establishment. Because they check their guns at the, at the at entrance. The door, yeah. yeah. And so, like, he, he pulls a gun on him and then just, like... <laughs> Buster Scruggs kicks the table, which a plank yeah. of the table comes up, which makes Surly Joe shoot himself in the face like eight times. Three, yeah, like three times. <laughs> and I'm just like, God damn. And he's like, got through another scrape by just like the skin yeah. of his teeth, but like he's outsmarting all these yeah. people. You know, he's like, he's like the Bugs Bunny of the West. It's exactly it. Even to the point where he comes in that first bar and he pats himself on the chest and there's like a dust outline of yeah. his silhouette as mm-hmm. he walks away from it. I'm like, yeah. I really love this first one. It's so cartoony <laughs> and fun. I'm like, it just really hooked me yeah. for this first story. And it's it's violent, but it's violent in such a cartoony way. Like when he has the duel with the, the brother of Surly Joe. Right. And like just to avoid killing him, he shoots off all of his fingers. <laughs> yeah. And then he tries to reach for it with his other hand where he's like, oh man, well... I only have one bullet left. And then he just tries to like do it through a mirror where he's like, well, his heart's on his right side, but the mirror is, yeah. my gun is upside down and it's in the yeah. reverse position. So yeah, yeah. better not be too fancy. And then just fucking shoots him. Yeah. Or it's like, God, he's such a fucking, like, he's so likable, even though he's like mildly homicidal. Right. right. <laughs> and then like he ends up meeting his end. Through another guy who comes in who's, like, really confident in his abilities. Yeah, it's and a guy that looks up to him. Like, he's been looking for him. Right. <clears throat> and, like, he comes in. He's like, Buster Scruggs, like, well, I think I have to teach this young and who's boss. And then yep. he just ends up, like. Just getting shot in the shot, head. <laughs> and he's like, well, shucks. And then he ends up dying. Yeah. And then his, like, ghost comes out of his body just like in cartoons. Yeah. With wings and everything. And they do a duet. Like him, like his ghost and the guy that shoots him do a duet where they literally accept the fact that sooner or later they're going to meet their ends. Right. And I love that where it's like the guy, like the guy that killed him, who's the young guy, who's probably like the top dog in terms of dueling people, accepts the fact that one day he's going to be shot down by a younger person better than him. Right. And it's like a perfect like uh, outline of like, no matter who you are, sooner or later, you're going to meet your ends by someone who's better than you. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you are the best person there is at that point. Right. It's a pretty <clears throat> surprising ending to, like, what you've seen so far. Because definitely, it definitely plays against type mm-hmm. once it gets there. And so, like, I was actually pretty surprised by it. And I was really, really enjoyed the Buster Scruggs short. Yeah, I, I'd put that up there as probably one of my top ones out of all of the ones that are out here yeah um and that leads us into the second what's the second one called uh near alagonia and this one stars uh james franco and pan shot <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll let you go out i felt like i talked a lot about <laughs> buster scruggs so i'll let you go ahead on this one no well, it, it's a really simple story I, yeah. I love that's what i love the most about this is that every story is so simple but they have, like, a really deep message behind them. Like, this one near Alagonia is just... It's about James Franco, tries to rob a bank in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And Stephen Root plays, like, the bank teller who's <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> I really like him. Who though. has, like, <laughs> shotguns set up underneath the teller where, like, he tries to blow his legs off. And then... <laughs> 
when he chases him out of the bank wearing a bunch of pans, yelling pan <laughs> shot every time he takes a shot at him and it misses him. Yeah. <laughs> and it cuts to like he gets knocked out and he's being in the in in the process of being hung by a posse that comes out to hang him for robbing this bank right. and then a bunch of Cherokee or no, Comanche Indians chase off the or chase off the posse or kill them and he's left sitting on his horse on a noose and then a guy comes by leading a leading a cow train cuts him loose brings him along to to herd these cows and then he's <laughs> encountered by a bunch of marshals <laughs> that come across this guy that stole all the cows and then James <laughs> Franco's blamed for for also stealing them and then he is hung he's promptly put in another noose yeah <laughs> I love that was actually really funny my favorite my favorite is the trial where the sheriff is borderline drunk being like what do you do and then, then like James Franco's trying to like defend himself shut up boy <laughs> He's, st- he's stealing. He's stealing. He stole some beef. It's like, well, cut and dry. Hang him. Like, did not get a chance to defend himself on the slightest. Right. Just this drunk sheriff be like, well, cut and dry right there, motherfucker. Hang him. You better hang him. <laughs> so he finds himself in another noose in yeah. like two minutes, which yeah. is so funny. And then he's like next to a guy that's crying. He's like, first time. <laughs> but I love this one too, where it's like he. Is literally probably given like hours to live more than he would have if he would have been hung on that tree. Right. But then he still finds like that small thing that makes him appreciate that little time he's got left where like he looks out in the crowd and sees like this beautiful woman and he's like, that's a real pretty lady. And then he gets hung. Right. Where it's like, yeah, like even though you don't have much time left, you like enjoy the moments you have left where it's like. That's a really fucking cool story. Right. And it's here, too, because it's like the first ending was a bit surprising. She's like, oh, Buster Scruggs actually bit the bullet on this. And then you go into the second story. It's like, James Franco is in this. Uh, he plays probably the hero story. He's trying to be hung twice. And then he's not. He's going to get out of it, just like in every movie. He doesn't. Like, no. he goes and he gets hanged. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> well. And it's at this point where it's like, what kind of anthology is this? Because they're <laughs> they're playing against type on two out of two of these so far. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. Even though, like, from now on, you could probably kind of see that motive coming. But even then, it still feels refreshing that they're just yeah. not going for the old standard like hero wins or it's like a good ending. Yeah. If they stuck, like, I feel like if they would have stuck with the cartoony route, like they did with Buster Scruggs, I feel like it might've gotten old at the end. Like, I like that they, they take different, uh, approaches with every story. I, I like that too, but I would have liked maybe more of like a dipped in and out of like a fun one, this kind of one, a fun one, this kind of one. Yeah. And maybe end with like another fun one or just at least have another one thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't feel like they never reached that like kind of tone that they did with Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Buster Scruggs is the, the funnest out of them all. Right. And I'm glad it was the first one out of the gate. Cause it got me into the, the yeah. whole thing, but I, I wish there was another one thrown in there. Maybe like the fourth one or yeah. so that it's like, Oh yeah, like an, another fun one because and, like and even though Buster Scruggs is probably the funnest out of them all, it's not my favorite. I'll tell you which ones. I think you know which one's my I, favorite. I think you told me which one it was. <laughs> um but with the James Franco one over, what's the third one called? Um Meal Ticket. Okay. And this with is the Liam, one with Neeson. Liam Neeson in it? Yeah. Okay. This one was dark as fuck. It it <laughs> It was. It ended up being pretty dark. <laughs> like, a, a, it, like I would say still it's like a black comedy. It's not like a wholly depressing kind of a story. Yeah, it, it's one of those where, like, you don't know where it's going until, like, the very end. Yeah. Um, and when it gets there, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's come to pass on this. Like, that's... If you dwell on it too much, you'd be like, oh, that's 
fucked up, man. Yeah. But like, if you just kind of take it as it as it's uh, coming to you, it's like, oh man, like, ooh shit, like that's <laughs> that's kind of heavy. But like, yeah. I I still consider it like more of a black comedy rather than just like really cutting you deep with like a hard depressing yeah. turn. It's still not like super great, and it's not ha ha funny. No, no, no. But like, it's it's uh, yeah, it's ironic, like terribly black comedy ironic kind of an ending. Yeah, like uh, me and Molly, or even like even Molly, I think brought up like a really dark idea into this. Like for those that have seen it, there's a instance where. Um, Liam Neeson is singing a song about hanging a woman uh-huh. and like the the guy with no arms and no legs right. is like watching like in horror as he's singing this song and then afterwards they go to a whorehouse yeah. where like Liam Neeson takes him along and like turns him around and then turns him back and then the prostitute's like Hey, does your your friend want to ride or whatever? And he's yeah. like, no, 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 he, he doesn't need anything. He's like, well, has he ever had any? And he's like, once. So then, me and Molly came to the conclusion that there is a girl that fell for him and had sex with him, but then Liam Neeson, because he was this guy was his meal ticket and was like the one that was getting him all his money, found a way to get her hung. Jeez, right. <laughs> so that he was still stuck with him. <laughs> Like Fuck we too. we literally were like having Are like you these trying to like kill no, each other. Like we were what? literally having these discussions where it's like, how can we make this more depressing? Like we were like talking about like, what if this guy was his son and he was actually Jesus. born with all of his limbs and then had him doing like these these uh, speeches in front of people with like all of his limbs and then when they started losing an audience, then to make him more of a freak, he cut off all of his limbs and found a way to solder them. <laughs> So God. that he would be more of a freak to them and then oh make more money that God. way. Because that's what it is. Like, Liam Neeson is pretty much a heartless, like, peddler for money. Right. He's he running like a yeah, freak show. He doesn't care. Right. He doesn't care how he makes his money as long as he makes his money. So then it goes from this guy probably had all of his limbs and was a, a, a wonderful orator of these classic lines <laughs> oh that people wanted to go see to then once that audience started running dry he cut off all of his limbs so that now he's a freak now that he's a you know that he's a freak to all these people that just want to see a limbless man say these lines oh my god to then where maybe a woman actually fell for him based on the lines that he was saying and then liam neeson seeing that he could also almost run away with this woman had her hung (laughs) no that's so sad. To now where that's now that's not even wor- so now to where that's not even working. So then he throws him away for a chicken that can do math. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I would like to think as Liam based Neeson, for, based on your own sanity. I for my own sanity and the uh, just a reason to sleep at night. <laughs> I think that Liam Neeson came upon him as like a freak show type thing it's like oh it's the torso man or whatever and it's like he's also loves shakespeare or whatever it is you know yeah and so he came upon him as like his meal ticket the yeah. title of the episode yeah. and it's like he's this whole thing until like ah this well's kind of ran dry people had come to expect this yeah but there's newfangled chicken that can do math yeah and that's now my you know ticket to a steak dinner at night you know yep. what i mean yeah and then uh, it comes to a point at the end where it's like, he's made that choice. This is what I want now. And you're fucking garbage. So, yep. like, I love I'll, how they I love how they, you go because I you're, love, like, a huge fan of this. I thing. love how they lay it out, too, because he stops at a river, walks yeah. over to the bridge, grabs a giant rock and drops it and sees that it sinks to the bottom. And then it just walks up with his hands behind his back, like... He just walks up towards him, and then it fades to black, and then it's just him and his wagon, and they show just the chicken sitting in the back of the wagon, where it's right. like, motherfucker. <laughs> that he is the way of the rock. Dark ass shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's how that one ends. It's, yeah. It's uh, pretty... It, like, when I saw it, I was like, holy shit. And like I kind of <laughs> chuckled at the ending. 
And you're like, man, isn't that fucking dark? And I'm like, yeah, it's fucked up, man. <laughs> and like, I didn't really want to ponder on it too much because I didn't want to just be like sad the rest of the night. But yeah, it's it's totally screwy. But then they introduce my favorite story of the whole thing. Uh, I think it's called, let me see what it's called. I think we said there was five shorts, but there's actually six it's shorts It's six in shorts, yeah. yeah. It's called uh, All Gold Canyon. Yes. I am so charmed by this story, just based on the prospector alone. <laughs> I fucking love the prospector in this. Unfortunately, this is the one where I I was in and out of it uh, when, when you were over. Yeah. And... According to the time I had allotted before people started showing up, I didn't go back and start it from the beginning. Okay. So I'm hazy on this one. Gotcha. I need to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah. But like, so go ahead. But no, oh, fucking Tom Waits playing the prospector in this is so fucking charming just because the whole story is you're, it, there's not much of a story to this at all. You're just following him as he is doing his utmost to find gold in this mountain range. Right. Like he comes in and like, like they show like all of like the wildlife that lives like in this Canyon Valley area are just kind of dispersed as he moves in with his fucking awesome donkey. <laughs> right. Like, and, uh, he just digs for gold and you see every small process he goes through to find gold where it's like, he starts on one end and he finds nothing, goes to another end, finds like a speck, finds two, three, four, five specks, and then he moves his way up in this valley until he gets to a point where it's like, I know that there is a vein of gold here. Then he calls Mr. Pocket when he goes to sleep every night. Yeah. Down to the point where like when he goes to sleep, he's like, I'll see you soon, Mr. Pocket. <laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Pocket. I'll find you, Mr. Pocket. Right. Where it's like, this is literally, you're literally watching a love story between a man and... And a vein of gold in a valley where you're like, he speaks about it so lovingly. Like, you want him to find it so bad. Right. To where, like, he actually finds it. And then once he finds it, he hears something behind him, looks up, and then this young asshole shoots him in the back <laughs> and just watches him as he bleeds out and he smokes a cigarette where you're like, fuck you. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah. the first time I saw this, I was seething. Watching this kid just sit on this embankment, smoking a cigarette, watching this old man bleed out that you've watched for probably 10 to 15 minutes, like go through every single process to get up to where he found this vein of gold. Right. And then he smokes a cigarette a little bit, puts it out, goes into the pit, and then uh, the prospector comes to... Rustles the gun out of his hand, shoots him in the head, and calls him, You measly skunk! You measly skunk! You shot me in the back! Yeah. Oh, my God. And then he rushes out of the hole, jumps into the river that he was panning the gold out of, and he's like, It went right through! It ain't nothing important! And he's, like, crying while he does it, where it's like... It legit, like, almost brought a tear to my eye when he was doing it. Because he's, like, he's so fucking elated that he didn't die. Like, he's, like, crying while he's, like, just rolling in this river. Like, uh -huh. just, like, fucking pouring water into his wound where you're, like, God damn. He, he worked so hard <laughs> to get this gold. Yeah. And it was so close to being taken. Like, not even that, but his life was almost taken from him. And now he's fought back from that to a point where it's, like, He's not even traumatized by the wound that was in him. And he's like, like on the verge of tears from happiness and like realizing that he was like almost killed for this thing that he worked so hard for. And then right. as he leaves with all this gold in his sack and he kicks the fucking kid's body in the hole and it's like, there's your sherry, you measly skunk. <laughs> and he rides away. I'm like, oh, I felt so good at the end of this story where I was like, I fucking love this old man prospector yeah. and all he went through to get this gold. I need to go back and rewatch this one. 
Because just for what you're trumpeting about it, I'm like, God damn it, I wish I wouldn't be so fucking tired. <laughs> He's such a... Like, he doesn't say much, but the things that he says makes him such a charming old man. Right. That his only goal is to find gold in this mountain, and he does it, and it's almost taken from him, but he comes back and still claims it for his own, and even sticks it to the guy that tried to take it from him. <laughs> and he rides away in glory with, like, a fucking bandage around, like, his gun wound, where you're like, ah, I love you, old man. Damn it. <laughs> I need to get in on this. That's why, that's like legit my favorite one. It's probably the one story where like the least happens, but the fact that it takes you through every single process he goes through to find that gold makes you feel like you've been on that journey with him. And then to see it almost taken from him, you're like super pissed (laughs) at the guy that almost took it from him. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Like uh, what is it? on Gold Mountain is my favorite out of all of them. Solid. Uh, well, that'll bring us into the fifth one. Which one is this one? Uh, the gal who got rattled. This one is uh, I can't remember her name in it. Uh, but she and her brother are taking a trip to Oregon. Alice Longabo. Longabo. <laughs> and on their trip, um, that's where most of it takes place. Once they get to their destination, the brother has uh, some business prospect there, and the Alice Longabo yeah, he's even gonna possibly like, be wed. Yeah, he even has like, oh, I got a friend that's going to marry you. Right. He's, got, like, he's just right. like, like, he just is just like, Pimping her out. Yeah, my actually favorite part... Well, I would say the beginning and ending to this is very strong. Yeah. But in the middle, it kind of meanders, and I wasn't into it as much. Yeah, it... it this is probably my least favorite out of the out of the six stories because of the middle. Like, it, it definitely sets itself up as a strong story, and then the end brings it all together where you can see where they were going, but... Yeah. It felt like this was the one where they were biding their time a little bit. Yeah, and I thought they bit a little too much time as well. I thought it yeah. went a little long. Like, yeah. It, I think it paid off in the end. Yeah. But I, during it, and like even watching it again, I, I'd just be still waiting for the end. Yeah, I, it felt like this This was the one where, I, it, all in all, it's still a strong story, but yeah, they... I feel like they, they could have told it in a way, way less time. Yeah. I, I do like the beginning where it's the whole dinner table scene. I thought that was <laughs> really fun. <laughs> or you get just to... a bunch of pompous pricks just <laughs> yeah. eating dinner together. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck I, all I, of you. I really enjoyed that quite a bit. But once they <laughs> finally got into the wagon train part, the brother dies like right away. And then yeah. they're dealt with that fucking dog that doesn't shut the fuck up. President Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and a lot of it is just like the, this this discussion of like this ranch hand just being like, should I take you on as my wife? Should I not? I don't know. And right. they're just kind of in this discussion where it's like, just decide already. Yeah, I did think that that ranch hand character was a charming character. Yeah, and I I like the idea of like mate like them developing this relationship where it's like. You can tell that she's lost by herself. Yes, and but that's that's the main theme of this whole story. Where, like, she needs... She's been pampered for so long that by herself, she's, like, almost Nothing. lost. She's yeah. Lo- yeah, she's lost. Yeah. Um, and then it comes to a point where... I'm just going to kind of jump to the end because the the middle is just all of that. Like, yeah. Not... Like, they're not even really pining for each other. It just happens to be like yeah, a it's convenient. More, yeah, it's more like a like a business arrangement. Yeah, which like like there's some like especially for like uh, old west stories. Like I really I dig I kind of dig like that story where it's like it d- presents like a whole other uh like virtue of marriage where it's right. like back here it it's such a well I mean this works out the best for all of us so we yeah. might as well get married and. Have right, children, right? Where like nowadays, like everything is so technologically advanced, where you could legit like marry the person you love. Like back right. here, it's like, well, I mean, 
you're a pretty fine upstand like fine upstanding person and I'm a fine upstanding person. We should probably have sex and have kids together. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh but that that whole middle chunk and it's like probably 25 minutes. It's 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 probably one of the longest stories on here, I think. And if it's not, it feels the longest. It does the it feels the longest. Um but when it I, when it ends, I I really enjoy the ending cuz the ending there's uh this farmhand and then like kind of the caretaker of this whole wagon train who's made the trip a bunch of times, he knows yeah. the land. He and knows... every time they present him like he seems like this heartless asshole kind of right. where like every time they try and talk to him, he's just like whatever. Yeah, and he, I, I, I think it's just because he's jaded and he's made the trip so long and he's yeah. kind of alone and he's an old man. Yeah. But you finally get to know him a little bit, and he goes out to find her because she went out to go find for her, her dog that just showed President up again. Pierce. And then he ends up seeing a, I don't know what Indian tribe it is, but like an, like an Indian, like, warrior out on the distance and he goes to like yeah. flash him like hey we mean no harm peace because they yeah because they insinuate that like they kind of meander around their wagon train to find people that kind of branch off so that they can uh rob him for supplies yeah and he like signals to them like hey we mean you no harm they never get a signal back and he's like well we're shit's fucked. gonna go down <laughs> yeah so what you need to do is get behind this little hill and listen to me if i'm gonna die you need to shoot yourself in the head or you need to shoot me like it's one yeah. or the other yep and so like the uh the native american tribe like starts rushing him and he's holding them off pretty good because they make yeah. another round at him. And he's yeah. like, you want more? You want more? Yeah. And then... Well, he's aiming for the chief because if he kills the chief, then like the rest of the tribe is superstitious and they'll run away. Right. And so the chief like gets tripped up by the horse and falls off his Go horse. Gopher hole. <laughs> yeah. And so like he he walks over to him and then he gets tricked by like another... Uh, Native American brave who like pops up off the side of a horse and like smacks him with a club. Yeah. And when he goes over to get scalped, uh, he's like, shoots him. Gotcha, motherfucker, yeah. and like yeah. shoots him shoots or whatever. Him <laughs> and then when he gets up, he goes to check on uh, Miss Longabo again, and she thought he was dead, so yep. she killed herself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like a surprising ending. I thought it was. I I don't know if it was fitting or not, but I was like. I enjoyed the ending. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, what a twist or whatever. Yeah, but I liked it because it's, it's like these two people of different like mindsets of the West are like he he pretty much presented that aspect to her as like, well, you'll know when, when to kill yourself. Right. But she didn't. Right. <laughs> so it's like once it got to that point, like she was like, who knows when she pulled that trigger, right. to be honest. Right. It's like she could have easily been like, oh. He slipped. I'm going to kill myself now. Right. Yeah, right. It's like, like there's these two people are from so different aspects of their lives where it's like he presented as like, you'll know. And then she didn't know. Right. And that's why I like about that. Yeah, me too. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then he goes off and stands over and looks over the wagon train just as like that ranch hands coming toward him. And he's like standing all stoic there with like the dog that now he's kind of adopted. I was yeah. Like, that's a fitting ending. Yeah. To, like, a long, drawn-out kind of droll story. Yeah. So, like, it's it's kind of a shame that yep. it has, like, so much time in the middle that it kind of, I feel, just kind of wastes. Yeah. Um, And that leads us to the end. Yeah, the last one, which, let me see what it's called. Which, if I can be honest... The Mortal Remains. ...is my least favorite. I can see that. I... It's it's a lot of it felt like it was trying to be it's, it's mostly dialogue yeah it's mostly dialogue and I was into it for a little bit but then it went on for such a long time that I was like oh my god like I just fucking don't care anymore yeah when I first watched it this is my least favorite but then revisiting it I liked it a lot more okay because um how how did you interpret it as see like. When I really tuned out, I was tuned out. So, like, okay. I was watching, but I wasn't really taking anything in. Well, um, 
me and me and Molly both when we were talking about this, like there we took it as like they're all dead. Oh, okay. Like the three of them are dead and they're on their way to like the afterlife or whatever it is. Okay. And I think the main thing they're putting over is that the three people that are talking are from different walks of life. Like yeah. you have a trapper who had a fucking Indian wife, <laughs> didn't even understand her own language. They're right. just like, well, we like fucking each other. Right. And then you had like. We're like ferrets or whatever you're yeah. saying. Yeah, everyone's like ferrets. <laughs> like there, there's even like down to a point where it's like him and the woman are like communism versus fascism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where like he's like everyone's like Polar ferrets. Opposites. Everyone's the same. Where it's like oh okay, so it's like so everyone's the same. So everyone works the same like communism. And then right. she's like, well, there's a certain type of people that are better than others. Where it's oh, so you're a fascist. Right. Like they legit set that up and then they have like the Frenchman who's like like, well, I fuck anyone that I want to see, <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like everyone yeah. like there's you're three different people from completely different walks of life from each other. And then you have the uh the two guys that are the bounty hunters right. quotations where like they even bring up at a certain point where they're like well, our job is to distract our our cargo or whatever from their original destination. Because they even bring up that the the guy riding the wagon will never stop. Right. Even when the guy like tries to like, tries to stop, he's like, nope, they they can't stop. And that's when he starts telling the story where he's like, oh yeah, this is the story I tell people to distract them from their true like calling or whatever. Mm. That's why like a. Uh, I think the guy, to tie it all together, I think the guy that's on the top of the wagon train is Buster Scruggs hmm. because he goes to heaven at the end with the wings. Right. And then when they go into the hotel, they're dragging him up the stairs to like a big light. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like they're taking him to heaven and they're going to purgatory because those three come from three different walks of life. But they're all going to the same place, which kind of ties it all together, where it's like every story is about life or death, where the last story is about how no matter from which which walk of life you come from, in the end, you're going to end up in the same place as huh. everyone else. Very interesting. I wish I would have paid more attention then, because I didn't take any of that out of there. I, I found it interesting that's like, oh, these two are bounty hunters, these two fancy men. You, you yeah. don't see kind of that kind of thing no because everything they do like is distracting them from what's really going on even like when they like show like the one guy kind of like separates himself from the conversation to ask the guy on the stagecoach to stop like everything around them looks very eerie and dark yeah and it's just and even the guy that's like like uh commanding the stagecoach looks kind of like the Grim Reaper in a way. Yeah, you don't even see his face. Yeah, where it's like, oh, shit, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Where it's like, they're those two guys' jobs is to distract them from the fact that they're dead before they get to to purgatory. Hmm. Man, I wish I would have paid more attention then. <laughs> shit. Shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I said, I only caught it the second time around watching it, okay. so. Right on. Um... Well, what, uh, I guess what would you grade Buster Scruggs? I mean, I give it a, a solid A. I think uh, there's a lot of anthologies that I see where there's one or two where I'm just disappointed. And even for the one that was really slow for me, like the, the, the fifth one. Yeah. I mean, there's some slow parts, but it still ends on a really strong note where it makes everything kind of make sense in the end. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think every story in this is pretty strong, so I give it a, like a, a pretty decent A. I think uh, you turned me around on some of these, because I was going to grade it quite a bit lower. It it didn't make my top ten if you heard it on Thursday, Yeah, but it did make my like honorable mentions. Um, so I was going to originally give this like a C, but I think I might upgrade it to like a, maybe a B-. minus. Oh, shoot. I think even if I go back and watch some of these two, I'll get more out of it. Yeah. Just because, like, maybe I wasn't in the right mind or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but, like, I, the, especially, like, the last one, I wish I would have gotten more out of it on the, on yeah, the piece. Yeah, so I maybe... definitely, su uh, definitely suggest, like, checking out the last one just to see if you can kind of pull out. Because there's definitely, like, 
instances where like they don't lay it out for you, but it's like you can kind of tell like they're distracting them from like a, the bigger picture to when they actually get there, they kind of realize what their fate is like, based on like their facial expressions. All right, right on. Well, sweet friggin' deal, JT. Right on. Well, that was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. People uh, out there have seen it. Let us know on the internets. And where could they do that, JT? Find us at... Uh, well, you can find me at Bucky Fro on Twitter. Also, Bucky Fro on Instagram. And he went at Bucky Fro on Snapchat. Troy! Why don't you talk to me personally at Troy the Max on Twitter? You can find us both at Review Review Pod on Twitter. You can also find us there, the, the, them there at Facebook.com slash Review Review Pod. All of our episodes are uploaded onto a multitude of platforms. Our hosting site, ReviewReviewPod.podbean.com, but we're also on uh, Stitcher and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on there, why don't you rate and review us there? Uh, that helps other people find the show if you like it. And if you want to write into the show, you can more than, you're more than welcome to at reviewreviewpod at gmail.com. Yeah. What do we got coming up Thursday, Well, JT? yeah, we forgot to bring it up in our last <laughs> Thursday show. So for this coming Thursday, we are diving in based on the glass that is coming out near right. the end of this month. We are diving into what people claim as the Shyamalanaverse. Fun to say. <laughs> with his first endeavor into this with the M. Night Shyamalan classic Unbreakable. I haven't seen this in a while. I, it's I, been super long since I've seen it. I'm really curious to dive back into it. Same here. Same here. I loved it when it came out, and I bought it on its like ultimate DVD cut or whatever yeah. it is. But I haven't probably watched it in eight years, maybe. Man, yeah, I'm it, probably right there with you. <laughs> and I, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen this, so I'm really curious to go back and check it out. Yeah. So join us Thursday for Unbreakable. Yes. And we'll be following up all of its sequels. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll be from... doing Unbreakable, Split, and glass. leading it off with Glass at the end of it. And also, for our Monday episodes, might be throwing in a few M. Night Shyamalan classics here and there. Oh, okay. For our Monday eps, you know. There's some maybe. that we were chatting about before that I haven't yeah. actually seen all the way through. Some that are out there for free that are is music <laughs> to my ears. <laughs> Me too. You're, <laughs> you're singing my song. Uh, but until then, um, I have been Troy to the Max Extreme. I am GG3K. And we are off.